Allow me a few minutes. I want to read a psalm I was looking at this morning. 121st Psalm. I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh mine help. My help cometh from the Lord which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall, not, shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. I thought that was a good psalm. Shall we open our service in a word of prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for another day and another Sunday morning when we lay aside our earthly and weekly cares and troubles and come and gather around thy word and sit as it were at the feet of our Lord and Savior, the greatest teacher of all times. We thank thee for this opportunity. We thank thee for so many things that make life complete. We thank thee even for this community and this these facilities that they let us use like they do so freely. And we thank thee for even that side of our our natural governments that, that allow these things, which don't happen in all places in the world. We thank thee for so many things. We thank thee for this desire to gather here this morning and, and hear the word and spend time in it and spend time contemplating these things. Watch over all those that may be on beds of sickness or pain or for reasons of old age can't, can't get to services. Be with our brother as he looks into the word here and speaks on it. Open this word to each of, each of us as individuals that that this word could do its work in our hearts and that we could find guidance and truth and peace through the power of this word, through the power of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who came here to this earth for that reason, that he might not judge people, but rather that the world would be saved through him. So hear us now as we pray together that the prayer of thy son Jesus taught us. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Someone have a song to continue with? 325 325 
May we be greeted this morning with greetings of grace and mercy and peace from God our Heavenly Father, through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I know George has already asked in his prayer, but as it seems so often I find the need to ask for your prayers, that would be the spirit that could open this word, that we could all be fed, that it would be a message as God knows each of our hearts individually, that we could be fed from from God. For a text this morning, I'll turn to the book of Psalms also. I'll read the 73rd Psalm, and we will look at it as God opens it. Reading in Jesus' name. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone, my steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there were no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compassed them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than the heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression, they speak loftily. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and water is, <clears throat> waters of a full cup are wrung out of them. They say, How doth God know, and is the, their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They increase in riches. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in incensey. For all the day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. <clears throat> If I say, I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me, until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou casted them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation, and in a moment they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one waketh, so, O Lord... When thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was a beast before thee. Nevertheless, I am continually wished thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterwards receive me in glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. My flesh and my heart faileth. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a-whoring from thee. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Amen. This is a psalm that in one sense I think we could break down to very simple terms. And I believe that it is something that 
as individuals and in the context of it as Christians, it is easy to relate to the feelings of, well, it says this is a psalm of Asaph. He obviously wrote this. And God, I believe, moved him that he would write it down so that even us, this far, look at history, far from um, the time that he wrote it, we can read it and realize very quickly that human nature was human nature right from the time of Adam and Eve, right down through history, and it is the same today. He says here, Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. And we read that through the Bible, through the records in the Old Testament especially. And we can see that at those times when the people were looking to God, when there was those times when they had a good king, or those times when... Joshua comes to mind. It says that as long as there were those who were alive that had experienced coming out of Egypt and God leading them through the wilderness and God leading them as they conquered those nations that were in the land, the promised land, that they turned to God. And they sought him. And we know that there was times even when David was king. And there's other ones that we could mention. That they looked to God. They sought his leading and teaching. And God blessed them. And we can even... Today, look, and there are, when we look to God, we understand. And sometimes it is easy to see that we are blessed. And and probably even at some of the worst times in our life where we live, we have been blessed most abundantly naturally. And yes, we have trials But even in those trials, we have that blessing that God can turn our eyes to realize how temporary this life is. And that no matter how badly things may be going for us here, we are so blessed because we see that we have heaven to look forward to. We read the parable of the rich man and Lazarus and We can see it tells us very clearly that the life that that rich man lived, he was naturally blessed. He had good things in this life. And we can look at Lazarus, and it doesn't look to be a life that any of us would want to have to live. And yet, we are so fortunate that the Bible records what, has hap- what happens after they pass from this life that we are living now into eternity. 
And we see how temporary those trials that Lazarus had were and how temporary those good things that that rich man had were. And we as people, as human beings, we live here in this world and we are have this natural flesh that we walk with daily and we are very constrained by time. And I have said it, and it is truthful, even though I say it often half-jokingly to people, that when you are able to explain to me the, uh, the fact of no time, it would be a lot easier to explain many things that are in the Bible. But it is something that we have to understand by faith, because it is beyond our natural minds, no matter where we are and Yes, sometimes time seems to go very quickly. Sometimes time seems to drag. But we are always affected by it. Things happen and we cannot go back and change them. It's just how it is because time has moved on. And we look forward to things coming down the road, so to speak. Because we know with the passage of time it's going to happen. And we know that unless this world ends or we pass from this life, that tomorrow will be another day. And it is how it is. And yet we as Christians are blessed to understand that it is temporary. And we can look forward to that time when these problems that we have in this life we will no longer have to deal with. It says that God will wipe away all tears from their eyes, speaking of those who are his children. It is something here how he writes this, how that God is truly good to Israel, even as such as are of a clean heart. And I believe that as Christians we can look at that and see and understand that There are so many things where it speaks of Israel that it is spiritually we can take that and apply it to the believers. And we can apply it to each of us individually because we are the children of God. And even our natural mind can understand how it is that when we are doing right and walking in the will of God that He blesses us and he will take care of us. But then he says, but as for me, my fleet feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. And how often do we find ourselves, even as Christians, in the place where it's maybe even past the point that we have almost slipped, that we have slipped into something. The flesh has got the better of us. We've fallen into sin or we're struggling with something that seems to be overwhelming to us. And it is easy then at those times to feel like, well, God maybe doesn't even notice me. Or the devil is very quick to bring that thought that, well, if you're a Christian, there's no way that you would have those temptations and if we've 
fallen in into those temptations, he will very quickly, well, there is no way that you can be a Christian. And God is definitely not going to look favorably upon you. And it is how it is from the very beginning of when he came and talked to Eve in the Garden of Eden. He brings half-truths. And the problem with half-truths is there's untruth there. There's lies there. Yes, God does not look favorably on the sin that we have. But as Christians, we, we recognize that fact that becoming a Christian doesn't make us perfect all of a sudden. Yes, there is a portion in us. That Spirit of God comes to dwell in a heart, and it is perfect. And most amazingly enough, God looks at us through Christ, and he sees that perfection. And, and it isn't that we all of a sudden fall into sin and are no longer a Christian. And the devil would be quick to bring that thought. And it is why we are blessed with that ability, or I don't know what you call it, but with the forgiveness of sins. Because if we are struggling to believe that God can forgive us of even this that I've fallen in, we are encouraged by the Bible to confess those things. It says, confess your faults one to another. Why? So we can be assured that yes, you can believe those things forgiven in the name and blood of Christ. Why? Because we deserve it? No. But because... God is merciful and he is gracious to those who will turn to him. It isn't, he doesn't say that he's gracious to those who are perfect and, and never fall into sin. Jesus says he didn't come to save the righteous, he came to save sinners. And the truth of the matter is is everybody qualifies. It is something we can be thankful for. And when we become a Christian, it isn't all of a sudden that we are no longer sinners. We are simply sinners saved by the grace of God because we put our faith in what Christ has done. But we can look here, I'm sure, and relate to Asaph when he writes this, that yes, it's easy to see that God would look favorably on those who are good and, and managing to walk obedient to God. But we look at ourselves and we often feel like we are a failure. And he elaborates even on how it is that it is working in his head. He says, I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there was no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They were not troubled as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasses them about as a chain. Violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness. They have more than the heart could wish. We can look at the world around us and we see people who have 
no time for God. We see those individuals who even perhaps mock God and, and are very disdainful that there even is a God. And we look at their lives and they seem to be doing quite well naturally. They're very prosperous. We can look at many people in the world today and because we have the, I don't know whether it's an advantage, but the fact that we have internet and things like that, media, we have right at our fingertips what's going on in some people's life almost on a constant basis. And and what is shown and projected to the world is that everything is wonderful. And they don't seem to have any trials that we have as a Christian. We can read in places, and, and Jesus tells here, and it's in John. <clears throat> it says, if the world hated you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. We understand that. And yet it is something that sometimes my mind kind of puts on the back burner, or it's very easy to get it caught up and think, well, if I'm walking obedient to God, I shouldn't have all these battles and trials that I'm faced with on a constant basis. But we're living in this natural world that is completely contrary to God. There is going to be conflict between the Christian and those who don't believe. It's just, if I say, a fact of life. And if we're walking along and all of a sudden we find that we don't seem to have a problem with what's happening in the world. We don't seem to have issue with what is the world is teaching. I think then is when we need to stop and take note and consider what is going on here. Because what God teaches and what God instructs and how God would desire that we would be and walk, it's at conflict with the way of human reasoning. It's at conflict with the world. And the devil is very quick and very much bringing trouble to the believer. If someone is walking completely contrary to God, the devil, he doesn't have to work very hard there. But he's very quick to bring that into the life of a believer that, oh, there must be a problem here, and bring conflict. And sometimes I struggle to understand why it is that God will allow that at times. But we can read there, I believe it's in Corinthians, I don't know if I can turn to it. But Paul talks about how God says, well, it's, it goes back a little bit. And Paul speaks about having the thorn in the flesh and how he asked that it would be taken away. And God says, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And there we see, or we are told, how it is that as Christians, we don't walk in our strength of how good we can be. We walk in the strength of Christ. It says our, our, his strength is made perfect in our weakness. It's when this flesh is weak and when it is overcome by the Spirit of God and it is the Spirit of God that gives us strength and direction and the ability to go forward and to face life. That is what we desire. And yes, this flesh, we are constantly struggling with it because it doesn't repent. And it only looks to this life. And it looks to those things that are in the here and now. It doesn't want to worry about something even sometimes a few days down the road. Or even a few hours down the road. It, it wants to be satisfied right now with something. And forget about the consequences. It is just what we deal with. And there is going to be conflict. But as Christians, we have that privilege of that still, small voice. And we are encouraged to listen to it. To be obedient to it. Because it is the Spirit, excuse me, that gives us direction from God who is the one that not only created us, but created this universe. And it says that he is so detailed that he knows the very number of the very hairs of our head. And, and if a sparrow dies, he is aware of it. And we are much more value than sparrows, it tells us. I think as Christians, we have a better understanding and a better idea of how much value there is and how much value God puts on a human soul. It is of such great value that we would be led to understand that even if one person would believe that Christ would have died for them. We are valuable beings to God. And he loves us and he encourages us to turn to him. <clears throat> it says, they set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither and the waters of a full cup are wrung out of them. They say, how doth God know? Is it, is, and is there knowledge in the most high? And very simply, we see that these people, they're not worried about what God might think. And they're very quick to take advantage of the Christian if they can. It says, his people return hither and the waters of a full cup are wrung out of them. They, they will wring the Christian dry, so to speak. They're not worried about what God might think. They're not worried about what God would instruct. And as Christians, 
it can get very disconcerting when we read things in the Bible. The thought comes to my mind of in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's Christ speaking. And it says, You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to those that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love them which love you, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. We read those things and it tells there if someone asks you for your coat that you would give him your cloak also. And if they ask you to go a mile, you would go two with them. We as people, I don't believe, have the ability to do that with the right heart. Yes, people can can do some of those things. And they maybe do it so that they can uh, appear like they're a bit of a martyr or something. But to do it with a humble spirit, because you are a child of God, Jesus doesn't, if I say, and maybe this is just for my own head, because often I struggle to do those things. Especially if it is someone who is, as it says in our text here, who has no regard for God and you can feel like they are just plain using you. Jesus came from heaven. And we don't know what heaven is, but it is where God dwells and it is perfect. And I've said this before in, in speaking I can get very frustrated with what I see going on in this world. Can you imagine Christ coming from perfection and then having to live in this world and deal with human nature constantly? I'm sure it would be something else. And yet he did that. And not only did he do that, but he willingly gave his life for us. Not when we were perfect and wonderful, but when we were sinners and when we were rebels against him. He came and did that for us. He gave his life for us. It gives us very little leeway to not be as it encourages us there in the the Sermon on the Mount. It doesn't matter who we are dealing with. We are to do what we, by the leading of the Spirit, are able to see is best for the other person and trust that God can take care of us. We don't find that in our human nature. It is through the Spirit of God that we are able to do that with a heart that is simply doing it because we care about that individual's undying portion and we would pray and hope that they would see Christ reflected in us and find that there is a need 
for him in their heart also. Because God doesn't look favorably on us, as I already said, because we are perfect. He looks on us because of what Christ has done. And Christ didn't just die for me, he died for everyone. And so we have that freedom to share that message with anyone. It says, Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world. They are increased in riches. He sees that in this world they are doing just fine. They are prospering. They have lots of this world's goods and blessings. And this, obviously, this thought comes in his heart. Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocency. For all day long have I been plagued and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. We can have that thought. Is there any reason... To be a Christian. Because we are a Christian, we have these conflicts with the world constantly. And it doesn't seem like there is great natural blessings in it at times. And it is because, many times, because our focus is not on gathering and collecting and getting all these natural things. Our focus is on matters of eternity and not only matters of eternity for our own heart but matters matters of eternity for those around us whether it be our neighbor or our friend or our children or our grandchildren or our spouse or whoever it may be we find as Christians that that is much more important than getting rich in this world And yet it can, that thought can come to our mind, and I'm sure the devil is quick to bring it, that surely if you're actually a child of God and walking obedient to God, God should just bless you. And we understand and we see in the world out there, and it's something that I think it is even good to be aware of, that, and, and we call it prosperity doctrine. And the teaching is become a Christian so that God will bless you and make you rich in the natural sense. And there is very little thought of that we would desire that we would be rich spiritually and that God would give us faith and great faith and that God would give us of his spirit and that he would lead us and guide us and strengthen us in our souls and that we would be able to look at those things that are much more important than being rich in this world or being famous or being powerful. In the one psalm, and I believe it's David that writes it, and and I can't turn to it, I don't know which one it is, but he gives that statement that he would be happy to simply be a doorkeeper in the kingdom of God than to be someone rich and powerful in this world. 
And as Christians, we can understand that. Because we understand how passing and how quick this life passes. I can remember being little as some of these ones here. And it seems like those old ones that it's a long time, almost forever in the mind of a child till we get to be whatever it be, 70, 80, 90 years old, like it's forever. But as time goes on and we get older, we realize time passes very quickly. And, and we don't even know if we're going to be able to live till we're 90 or 100 or 70 or 30. God knows those things. We don't. He doesn't tell us that, okay, you're going to live till you're 75 years old. And then at 74, well, you better make sure that you take care of these things. No, he encourages us. Come today. Come as you are today. Turn to me, Christ speaking. It is what we are to encourage people to do. Asaph says, when he thought on these things, it was too painful for me. It was overwhelming to his mind to see that he was struggling with so many things. And these people who had no time for God just seemed to breeze through life, so to speak. But then the psalm changes. He says, It was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. And that is how it is. Where is the sanctuary of God? It is in the household of God, it is in the kingdom of God, it is where God's word is spoken. And God brings that message that this life is temporary, as I said. And we are to look forward to eternity. And we understand that when we pass from this life to the next, well, there's the story, and there are two, two places. It is that simple. There isn't a whole raft of different things to look forward to. It's heaven or hell. There's the sheep on the right hand and the goats on the left hand. And there's that story that on Judgment Day, that's how it will be. And he will say, come ye blessed of the Father, or depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. And when we are exposed to the word of God, because we are in the middle of God's children... We are very quick to come and understand what is the end or where it is that those ones who have no time for God go. And I don't think we have any better understanding of the horrors of that than we do of the glory of heaven. But we are able to understand enough to know that we would not want our worst enemy to go to hell. It's something that we live in this world, I'll put it this way. We live in this world and we see, I guess many of us 
even not so old, have had that benefit of seeing how quickly when our nation has turned away from God, how the blessings of God go away. Not necessarily, I don't think that God takes them so much as people turn their back on them. But we see the results of that. And yet still, God's Spirit is here. The blessings of God is here. The grace of God is here. And we see how bad it is. If we think about it a little bit, think of a place where that mercy and grace and God's presence isn't there. He's turned his back on it. It's a horrible thing. We would not want anyone to go there. And I would hope and pray that God could put it on our hearts even as he did for Asaph to understand that end and that we would encourage people whether it be we're given a chance to talk to them or if it's just that we have the opportunity to live our life in such a way that Christ is reflected. And what we see as important, which is faith and salvation, is important. People, I'm sure, wonder sometimes, why do those people come and even sit here on a Sunday morning? There's lots of other things to do, and the world has an endless variety of stuff that could fill this time. And our flesh would probably find it very appealing. But let us put importance on finding time for God. Being still and seeking His direction and His wisdom and His guidance. And if we are struggling with sin, with forgiveness, where God is found in his sanctuary, which is the temple of God, which is in the heart of those who believe in him, where the spirit of God dwells. He says, Surely thou didst set them in a slippery places. Thou castest them down into destruction. How are they brought into desolation? And in a moment... They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when one awakeneth, so, O Lord, when thou awakest, thou shalt despise their image. And we see that the end can be very quick. And God does not look favorably upon those who are, have no time for him. It's not a place where any of us would want to be. And as Christians, we are so blessed to even have that understanding or something that is put on our heart that we would find importance to come and gather around his word, to have Christian fellowship. And may God bless us with that, each of us. He says, so foolish was I and ignorant. I was as a beast before thee. He realized 
how ridiculous it was to envy anyone who is not a child of God, no matter what the circumstances may be. There may look like there's natural blessings there, but we are told in the Word of God how at best passing those things are, and even how destructive they can be. And the truth is, I think all of us, as I said, we have that privilege of having people's lives that we can look at very clearly, whether they be celebrities or someone of great wealth. And you don't have to scratch very far below the surface to see there's many things in their lives that aren't near as wonderful as is portrayed to the public. And they have a lot of problems that are inflicted because they want to do things their way and not the way God would want. It is foolishness to have any envy for them. The truth of the matter is they should be envious of a Christian. And I think in some ways they do. Because I don't care who the person is, I think somewhere deep down there's an understanding that there is a God. And that they are not right with Him. He says that in spite of all his foolishness to be envious of those people and his feeling that his feet were almost slipping... It says, Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. God still cares for us. He knows we are human. He knows that we are simply human beings. We have this flesh to deal with. And Christ came and lived with it for however long, 30 some years we're told. He dealt with this human flesh that we have. He experienced those things. It says he was tempted in all things as we are. I, I almost find that hard to believe at times. But he was. And we have as Christians that privilege that it says he is at the right hand of God interceding for us. He understands our failures. He understands the struggles that we have. He will hold us. He will hold our hand and lead us through these things. We can trust that. We can't trust in natural riches, no matter what they, how great they may be, to take care of us even tomorrow. But we can trust that God will He will take care of us this afternoon. He will take care of us tonight, tomorrow, ten years down the road if we are still here. He will care for us still. It says, Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterwards receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. When it is brought to our hearts what it is that God and how loving He truly is, 
and how much he cares for us. And sometimes we need these times of when we look away from him or perhaps we fail or are struggling to remind us to look to God and to trust in God and be reminded that he cares and he will carry us and guide us with thy counsel, with his word, with the fellowship we have. It says, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. It is what we have and are blessed with as Christians. We have God. We have Christ. We have the Spirit. And what all those things mean. And we can say those things and I hope that we understand and I hope that we even take the time to look into how it is that they work in the life of a Christian. Because it isn't in our flesh's ability. And we find, as he says, my heart failed. We get, can get struggling and fearful when we look at what's going on. Or we look at our weakness. God is the strength of our heart and of our life. We have that privilege. It says, For lo, they are far from thee, or sorry, for lo, they that are far from thee shall perish. Thou hast destroyed all them that go a whoring from thee. He sees, in these last two verses, it lays out those two sides of the equation. Those that don't have time or interest in God or what Christ has done and those who do. And if they look to something, anything besides God and Christ, there's a problem. And it says they shall perish and God will destroy them. And I pray that each of us can instead find us, find that we can relate to this last verse. It says, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God. Let us that be where our strength is and what our faith is in and our trust. That God is our all in all. He says that I may declare all thy works. It, it in that verse very simply lays out our purpose as a Christian. That we can share this message that we know to be true because we've experienced it. And yes, at times we may struggle with it. And I believe it is part of, and now I'm going down a rabbit trail for sure, but I've spoke before about tithing and how I believe that it is speaking that we should bring and share with the vessels of the sanctuary, which is our brothers and sisters in faith, of how God has worked in our life and give us faith to overcome these things and strength to overcome these things. And when we see that we fail, he has picked us up and carried us and led us. That is declaring the work of God and we are encouraged to do it. We are to share those things and God says that if we do that, 
We will be blessed to overflowing. And have we experienced that? That when someone shares with us, whether it be as a group or as an individual, of how God has taken care of them in such situation, or strengthened them, when things seem hopeless, he is led and guided and uplifted. And we are encouraged. And it strengthens us in our walk. It's a very simple thing in a way, and yet we see the truth of what God says. Sometimes it can bring overwhelming joy to our hearts to see how he cares, even for someone else. And oftentimes I find it's easier to look at someone else's life than at my own and and see that God is working there. God is giving faith there. God is strengthening them. And I think sometimes it is good that we would even go to talk to someone or share with them how we see and feel thankful that God is working in their life. Because if we look at ourselves, oftentimes we can overlook those things, or I can, get so focused on dealing with the problem or whatever it may be that I forget to look that, yes, God is carrying me. God has helped me. He's given strength. And take the time to thank him for those things instead of getting so caught up in what might happen next. May God add his blessing to us, our word and give us faith for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we humble our hearts to receive the benediction. May the Lord bless thee and keep thee. May the Lord make his face to shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I'll just mention, some of you, in some ways it doesn't affect, but anyway. Um, it just happens that this Thursday, there's um, a thing, at a community, Turkey uh, Bingo at the hall here. So many of us will probably be... Um, involved with that, so we will go Bible study, and if anyone's welcome to come to the main one, sure, so anyway, that's, there won't be Bible study this Thursday night. Somebody have a song that we can... 114? 114?